Welcome to the Haley Hennessy podcast, hosted by me, Haley Hennessy. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics that will empower you to discover new ways to make life juicier, more vibrant, and inspiring. Let's get started. Welcome back. Welcome back. What I'm sharing about is something that I've really been chewing on since the very first episode, and I've been wanting to share about it. The topic is the natural disaster that I experienced almost a year ago. So the, about a year ago from this recording, I was living in the Southwest and I was living in a beautiful town that was subjected to a wildfire. In the West, each late spring and early summer season is the start of wildfire season. So during this time of the year, all of the of the snow has melted, things dry out, trees dry out, the ground dries out. Also, usually the wind picks up. And so the community and the area at large was under a mandatory no burn period. And unfortunately, there are some dummies in the world that will notice how dry things are, how dry their skin is, and still burn things. And so this is what happened. And a man lit a little flame that erupted into a huge forest fire that took many days to put out and caused quite a bit of damage. And so what happens when there's a huge forest fire is that it gets so hot because what is being burned is so dry and has all the fuel and lack of moisture. And usually it happens in areas that haven't been burned or have experienced a fire in a long time. And so these fires burn really, really hot. And whereas back centuries ago, forest fires were very natural and cyclical. And so fires started and it was okay and it burned and they weren't super hot and they just really killed off the underbrush and the things going, you know, the little plants on the forest floor. And then once they were put out by a rain or just by burning out naturally. This actually was really great for the soil and for the earth to regenerate and bring new life. But now because of the way we live and we've kind of uh, added our humanness into nature, now what happens is when they burn so hot in the way that they do, it really destroys the topsoil in the forest and it just turns it to dust very a very fine dust and ash and it also burns the plants that are underneath and so the roots are damaged and so when the monsoons show up and dump down rain the water cannot be absorbed into the earth. And so instead, what it does is it runs down the mountain, or at least in my case, I'm kind of getting into what happened. We would get a monsoon, and if that monsoon would hit the burn scar, that water would gush down the mountain and flow rapidly along the scar and be picking up any type of debris along the way. So sticks and pine needles and pine cones and sometimes rocks and twigs and leaves and anything in its path. That is what creates a flash flood. And in the Midwest where I grew up, we had flash flooding, but the flash flooding was always around riverbeds. It was always kind of a predictable area where it would happen. It, it may happen fast, but we knew where it was going to be. But when you have a burn scar 
that's brand new and you know that the monsoons are coming, it's difficult for the forest personnel to really predict where the flooding is going to go and how bad it's going to affect the trajectory of that flood until it actually happens. And so this is where I come in, (laughs) my life comes in. And I lived right at the heart, right at the epicenter of where the flash flood that ran down that burn scar headed to. And I lived in an older apartment that there was there were several apartment buildings around, but they were all ground floor and nestled away in an area that was lower than kind of the surrounding area. And it was also along a major underground drainage system that collected rainwater. And the water would come and it needed a place to go. And so it ended up rushing through our property and out the backside once it got full enough through another neighborhood and out and down into a riverbed. Because the summer is monsoon season, And a monsoon would come every single day, sometimes multiple times during the day. And you never really knew where exactly it would hit. Sometimes they were able to predict. But every day for the entire summer, I had to prepare myself for a potential flash flood. And whenever a flood would come, it would bring that debris, uh, but it would also wash the debris away from the path that it it had been on. And so then every new flash flood that would come would come faster. It went from 30 minute warning to 20 minute to 15 minute to 10 minute warning to five minute warning. And every time it would come, the water would get to at least three feet high up to my knees or so. Thankfully, our complex was protected to an extent. There were barriers around our building, but it definitely wasn't perfect. They weren't able to predict exactly how the water would come and where it would go. And so there was some issues with the barriers and where they were and how much and how high and all of that. And so each time there was a flash flood, we no one knew in the complex if it was going to get in their homes or not. And so you just did your best to take the precautions. I did my best to take the precautions I could each time to make sure that we had plenty of sandbags in front of our front and back door, that there were sandbags around the barriers that led out to the parking area that our cars were not in that area and were across the street that our pets, my pet was inside safe and sound. And that honestly, I I wanted to be home because then you could see where the larger and larger amounts of water were coming in in different areas that maybe we didn't block off in order to better protect our home. And so after each flood, it left that fine dirt. And so there was often six or more inches of this black slick mud every single place that the water had been. It was very slippery. It stained everything that it touched. And so this made it really hard to drive back into the complex. And so I personally would leave my car across the street. And so I would have to run across kind of 
kind of a major highway in order to access my car, in order to drive my car and go and do anything. And to get to my car, I would have to travel across the property in very inadequate shoes that would get super stained and muddy and squishy and would try to not flick mud up on my outfit if I was going somewhere. And I would also have to bring my shoes, the shoes I wanted to wear with me in my arms and then change in the car, wipe down my feet in the car, try to keep my muddy shoes in an area that didn't matter if it got that dirty. And in order to get off the property, I had to climb over sandbag walls and jump over barriers and I couldn't walk the paved area in order to get across the street because the paved area was so thick with mud because that's where the majority of the water was that it was you'd either lose your shoes in the mud or you would slip and fall and it was just so dangerous going that route. So with this being the pattern in my day-to-day life I didn't realize but I started having some trauma that emerged from this situation. So every time I would hear thunder or see rain clouds coming, I would have a panic that would arise in me and an anxiety that I was so worried for what was about to come. At the time, we let our cat go out and about. This was very normal for him. And so each day it would hit about 11 a.m. or so, I would have to go and find him. I would also not know if I needed to move my car or not because eventually once the mud got so bad, workers would come to scrape up the mud and remove the mud each time. And I'm so grateful that they did this because the little things that I took for granted, like walking out to my car with ease or having a clean home or not being covered with dust or mud were things that when they happened, I would take them into consideration before setting out to do something, before setting out to go and exercise or work out or go on a walk or to go out to eat or to go meet my friends. All of these things that I didn't realize mattered so much ended up being a huge reason in determining what I was going to do with my day each day. Beyond that, I started getting really paranoid about leaving the house because I noticed that every time we would have a flash flood, I was always pitching in and doing things and watching things progress that other people either weren't there to help with or wouldn't notice. And I believe we ended up having, by the end of the season, seven or eight flash floods. And it wasn't until the very last flood that it got into our apartment, unfortunately. And during that flood, we were out of town and weren't able to help prevent it from getting into our apartment. And through this time, there was all sorts of crazy little mishaps and things that happened. There was a time where the fire department or some department decided that they should create a row of sandbags in front of the water entrance area into our complex. But the water was rushing so fast and so hard that it washed the sandbags away into the only two drainage areas that we had in our complex. So these sandbags covered those drainage grates and the water rose much quicker and much faster and damaged more apartments until some of the amazing neighbors that I had figured out that 
something was blocking the drain and got in there and pulled them out and dug the sandbags out of the grate. There's another time where one of the barriers that was around the house supposedly protecting our space, it was a water barrier. So a big orange tube that was filled with water and somehow it had gotten punctured and that water tube added to the flooding that was happening. And so we were used to having flooding on one side of the apartment, but it was starting to come in from the other side of the complex property. And so there was just things. Each time there was something new and different and alarming and a mini emergency. Well, the whole thing was an emergency, but an additional mini emergency that needed all hands on deck to fix. And unfortunately, because the complex I was living in, we were all rentals. It was an apartment situation. And right behind our complex was a neighborhood, which is where the water was also flowing into. Since the neighborhood was all homes that people owned, there was a higher priority on helping those people protect their homes over our complex. And so often we didn't really have a lot of assistance on our side The reason why I wanted to come on here and to share this story is because it was so major to me. It affected my entire life. It affected my mentality completely. It changed everything. I was always in fight or flight. I really only operated caring about that bottom layer of Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I was living in a space where I didn't feel safe, where my home was always at risk or my shelter was always at risk. And even though there was many people affected by this flooding, there weren't that many of us who actually lived in that apartment complex beyond the first flood. And the thing that really sucked is that nobody cares about a flash flood unless they're affected by it. It doesn't sound like something that really matters or that really should be considered. Additionally, The whole town was rained on, but there was only a small majority of people who were really affected by this. Beyond that, of the people who were affected by it, there wasn't a lot of damage done to their home. There was an inconvenience of having water inside, but it wasn't enough water to ruin the drywall or to ruin the carpet or to have things that needed to be replaced like it did in our apartment complex. And beyond that, there was really no way of communicating the intense effect that this seemingly first world problem had on me. And so I didn't feel understood. I didn't feel like the issue that I was dealing with really mattered in the scheme of the world, but it hugely impacted me and it hugely impacted my mentality. And there was a domino effect into the rest of my life. I wasn't able to show up as presently. I wasn't really able to go up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I, thank goodness, wasn't focused on my coaching business at the time. But if I had been, there was no way I would have been able to show up for my clients in the state that I was in. I had a hard time looking forward to anything. I really didn't enjoy the little things that I typically would have enjoyed in my day-to-day life, like cooking and exercising and watching movies and spending time with my partner and my cat. I didn't enjoy being 
in my home or in my home space, but it was such an effort to leave and to show up in a normal, quote unquote, normal way in society that usually I spent most of my time at home. And so the reason why I'm sharing this with you and why I feel like it's important to talk about is because even though this was a very unique situation to me, I think the skeleton of it can apply to so many of us. It's really, really easy to discount the situations that we're in, to think, oh, I have this problem, but this person's problem is worse than mine, or I shouldn't express how I'm feeling or ask for help because it's really probably doesn't seem like a big deal to the other people in my life. And when we feel like this, It is very isolating. We are humans that deep down we have roots to be connected with one another, to live in communities where we help one another and we support one another and we're there for each other. And most of us no longer live like this. In order to receive help and receive care and receive empathy, we first must not judge ourselves and not judge our situation using comparison. But then we also have to ask for that help and ask for our community to step in and be there for us. It can feel really hard to do this when we feel like our need and our situation isn't really justifiable. And so I want you to know today that no matter the struggle that you're having and no matter how much of a first world problem it may seem, do not be afraid to reach out, to ask for assistance, ask for help, to find someone that you can express yourself and express the feelings on your heart with because for you to come back to the place of equilibrium, of safety, of love, you have to allow your need of support to be met. And it can only be met by others when we're feeling like we are living in fight or flight. And even once that situation has ended, we have to work on showing ourselves that this is true. We no longer have to live in this state of fight or flight. We no longer have to be hyper vigilant and protecting ourselves because we need to move on. We need to continue expanding. And there was so many months after the flooding stopped that I really had to work on coming back to myself on releasing the fear that I was living with and releasing this need to do everything I could in order to protect myself because I was in a home that no longer was under threat. I did my best to do the things that filled my cup and gave me that sense of peace back into my heart and into my brain. I meditated, I journaled, I reached out to friends, I went on walks with friends, I spoke on the phone to the people that I love and that matter to me, and I started getting back out into nature and did my best to reconnect to the sense of safety that I used to have when I was in nature and when I was in the forest there. Because when we are living in fight or flight, we can't show up for our community. We can't enjoy the things that make life lovely and juicy and vibrant. We can't be our most authentic selves, our highest vibration, our highest version of ourself. And then therefore, we're not creating those little ripple effects for the other people around us. 
I believe that this is so important and so vital that we need to take care of ourselves day to day in order to get to that spot whenever possible. And so if we're living in fight or flight, that's completely impossible unless we start taking those little steps in order to bring ourselves back to equilibrium. And so I hope that this has resonated with you in some capacity. Maybe you've lived in fight or flight or maybe you know someone who's living in fight or flight. Just know that this is no long-term way to exist and your sense of peace matters. Everybody's sense of peace matters and it's so important. And so do whatever you can to come back to your sense of peace to offer that sense of peace to others and be a great community member. And if you are someone who is needing help and is needing that sense of peace brought to you, muster up the courage and use your voice, reach out and know that you are divinely supported, you are loved and you can do this. Thanks for tuning in today and I'll talk to you in the next one.